our church has really had a foundation on that song. As you know, my dad loved it. He loved Amazing Grace. He loved Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, talking about God's grace. This church is all about God's grace. We actually have a conference in June. We call the Grace Conference. And we are grateful that we serve a God who is not only holy and righteous, but that holiness and righteousness would condemn all of us for we're all sinners. But God is also a God of love, mercy, and grace. And because of his grace, he took upon himself our guilt, our hell, and sacrificed the perfect son of God. And he died and he rose again. And we have the opportunity of being saved by simple faith in him. That's amazing. That's amazing. How amazing is God's grace? Can it save anybody? Can it, can it save a, a wicked, seafaring slave trader? Can God's grace save someone that was participating in selling human beings and transporting them in inhumane conditions? Can God save a slave trader? Can God save by his grace a Hamas member? Now that's a, that's a tough one, isn't it? Especially as we've witnessed the most atrocious, horrible, streamed, wicked acts by Hamas in Israel. And we had the opportunity last Sunday to stand with Israel. And I'm so thankful that we did that, that you did that. We had an opportunity to take a stand for Israel and the Jewish people, their right to exist, their homeland that God has promised them and given to them for eternity. And once again this evening, I'll have a chance to speak to a group of Jewish people because of our love for Israel and our love for the Jewish people. But this is a tough one. Can God's grace save a Hamas member. Look at Genesis 6.11. Some of you don't even know this, but Hamas is in the Bible. Genesis 6.11, there's a Hebrew word, Hamas. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with Hamas. That's truly the Hebrew word for violence. Hamas. Now, the, the current group called Hamas in Israel, that's an acronym that stands for our English translation, the Islamic Resistance Movement. But even Hamas in Arabic is translated zeal. Can God's grace save someone that is full of violence? And zeal for the wrong thing. Remember, their whole life they've been indoctrinated, they've been taught that the Jews are killers, that the Jews are bloodthirsty, that the Jews are colonists. That's not true. Absolutely not true. Anti-Semitism is the oldest form of hate that's been around in our world. And I was attending my first Shabbat dinner in someone's house this Friday night. And I asked the question, why do these things keep happening to the Jewish people over centuries from Haman to Hitler to Hamas? 
And, and there's really no answer other than it's a spiritual thing. There's a devil and he hates God's earthly people. That's what anti-Semitism is. That's what the Holocaust was. That's what is happening in Israel today. I know that God can save a Hamas member because I was personally with the son of one of the founders of Hamas. His name is Musab Hassan Youssef. He spoke at a synagogue. It was my first time in a synagogue. And I heard Musab speak about his faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus. So I know for sure that God's grace is so amazing that it can save a slave trader. It can save a Hamas member. As a matter of fact, it's so great that it can save me. Are you putting yourself in the same category as a slave trader and as a terrorist? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God? Then yes, I am. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. We all need salvation. And God's grace is amazing. It can save anybody. It can even save you. The problem with a lot of people is they think they're pretty good. Being pretty good doesn't save you because... You have sinned. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. So we need God's amazing grace. And this song, Amazing Grace, was written to go along with a sermon that was preached on New Year's Day a little over 250 years ago. It's a really amazing story. The story of John Newton and he was by this time a preacher and he had in his text on New Year's Day, 1 Chronicles 17. In verse 16, the Bible says, and David the king came and sat before the Lord and said, who am I? Who am I? O Lord God, and what is mine house that thou hast brought me hitherto? That day, John Newton preached a sermon about God looking back at God's goodness, looking around at God's promises, and looking forward to future usefulness. And he came away and said, like David, who am I, O Lord, that you would possibly do this for me? It's amazing. It's amazing that God cares about us. Now, interestingly, a few hours after the sermon, Newton wrote this in his diary. He said, hope I was enabled to speak with some liberty, but found my own heart sadly unaffected. Little did Newton know the power, not of just the sermon, but of the song he wrote to go with that sermon, the power of that hymn that would be sung all around the world for the next many years in so many different languages to minister to millions and millions of people. The most revered hymn of all time. Who am I, O Lord? Who am I? In the lyrics he wrote, the tune was that we sing is added later, but the lyrics, amazing grace, how sweet the sound Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Isn't that a sweet word, grace? 
And some of you are named Grace, and that's a sweet name. Amazing Grace. Grace is the basis for our Christian faith. We believe that we're saved by faith through grace. We serve the Lord Jesus Christ by grace. We are kept by grace. It's all grace. What is grace? Well, grace is God's undeserved favor. No one is standing here, Newton, or a son of Hamas, or Jim Scudder, and saying that God owes this to me. What God owes me is eternal separation from him in a place he designed for the devil and the demons called hell. That's what he owes me. But by his grace, I can be saved through faith. And the song says, how sweet the sound. Somebody has, has called grace by this acronym. And this is a nice way of remembering it. He said, God's righteousness at Christ's expense. Isn't that a good way to remember it? God's righteousness at Christ's expense. G-R-A-C-E. And grace is not something that can be earned. Grace is something that is freely given. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, wrote John Newton. Now, by this time, he was a preacher. He was a pastor in England. He certainly wasn't living a wretched life, but he had. He had. And I really believe this, that we all should consider ourselves as wretched. I do. Oh, pastor, you shouldn't think of that. You shouldn't call yourself that. You shouldn't believe that. Yes, but we are. We're all fallen out of the way. We're all like sheep that have gone astray. We're all guilty. The best that we can offer God according to the Old Testament is nothing but filthy rags. That's the best we can offer God that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. Isn't, isn't that the truth? But now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Even just the first verse of this incredible hymn is so powerful. Now, this isn't scripture that we're quoting today, but I, I believe it's a scriptural song, a wonderful song, a song of depth, a song that speaks the truth of depravity and wretchedness. And sadly, our songs today only talk about God wanting to bless me in a very uh, shallow, very shallow lyrics. But this was a deep uh, theological song. John Newton died at age 82 in London. He wrote his own epitaph, and it said this, John Newton, clerk, once an infidel and libertine, a servant of slaves in Africa, was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had long labored to destroy. That's grace. That's amazing grace. The song continues, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear." And grace, my fears relieved. What does that mean? Well, that means when we understand our depravity and our sin nature and our sin, we should fear because God is holy and, and sin has to be punished. But grace, my fears relieved. In other words, I realized that he put upon his son my sin 
So no longer am I under the wrath of God if I put my faith in his son. My fears relieved by grace. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. You know, salvation can be had right now. You don't have to wait to the end of the sermon. You don't have to wait till tomorrow or next year. Salvation can be had right now at the very moment of faith. The Lord has promised good to me, wrote John Newton. His word, my hope, secures. Aren't you glad we have a word that doesn't change? As the world changes and the politicians change and the dynamics of our our crazy world are always changing, the trends are changing, we have something that is constant and true and will not change. And by the word, his word, my hope secures, he will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. Then he wrote wonderful words, though through many dangers, toils, and snares. Now, why is that impactful? Remember, he was a captain of a slave ship and his conversion story, the story of him going back to the faith that he had known as a child was because of a great storm that was taking place. And the storm got his attention and a ship captain back then especially they knew the danger. They knew the, the storms that could literally take you out. And he'd been through that. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. This grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Isn't that wonderful? Think about the grace of God that not only saves us today, but it saves us tomorrow, and it saves us the next day, and it saves us the next day. And the grace will take you home. Don't have to be worried about that. Now, this was originally the final verse. And I know sometimes this is hard to understand how someone can add a verse to a famous hymn, but it happens, and it happened here in Amazing Grace. Uh, This used to be the, the final verse, and this is one of the verses that the choir sang today. It's a verse that you probably aren't familiar with. And, uh, but it's a beautiful verse. It goes like this. The earth shall soon dissolve like snow. How happy are we when the snow melts and disappears? That's what's going to happen to this earth. It's going to melt. The sun forbear to shine. But God who called me here below will be forever mine. I like that last verse. I really do. But I also like the last verse that we always sing is the last verse. This was one that my dad loved. He would always, always have this final verse sung at the end of our communion time. And it's just a verse that's powerful and it's meaningful. It was added by John Reese later. And again, this is usually the final verse of the hymn. When we've been there 10,000 years, where? In glory. And after 10,000 years have passed, don't you think that's a long time? Do you think we're going to be getting tired of it by then? No. No, not at all. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise 
than when we first begun. We've had some beautiful music today, children, choirs, and we're going to be able to sing Amazing Grace in a moment. Some of you can't sing. You can't. My dad couldn't sing. He, he, he did sing, but he couldn't sing. But every now and then, he would hit the right note. And I, I was stunned. I would, we would sit up here on the pulpit. He would be next to me. And uh, he, he, would, he would be singing his heart out. And it would just be in the wrong key. That's all. It's just in the wrong key. He actually hit all the right notes, but in the wrong key. So one time I was sitting there and he was just on. I don't know what happened. I don't know how it happened. I think he was actually stunned. No, he, he thought he was always on the right key. That's the problem. But part of eternity is going to be singing praises to God forever. And I know that my dad has perfect pitch now. Think about that. Think about that. Think about the songs, the choirs of heaven. If you think the choirs on this earth are great, wait till you hear the choirs of heaven. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. So John Newton went from slave trader to slave, uh, someone that was trying to eradicate it. Think about the history of slavery. Think about how many years slavery was part of our world. In the Bible, you read about slavery. In the Roman Empire, there were more slaves than citizens. To, to eradicate slavery took many years, but it took Christians John Newton was one of the Christians. William Wilberforce was another one, a politician in, in Britain. And John Newton became a mentor for John Wil or William Wilberforce. And in 1787, Newton helped Wilberforce found the Society for Effecting the Abolition of the Slave Trade. The following year, Newton wrote Thoughts Upon the African Slave Trade, a graphic account of his experiences aboard slave ships that included a repentant confession of his personal involvement in the trade. This pamphlet was sent to everybody in Parliament, and Newton would go on to testify against slavery at the parliamentary hearings. Nine months after John Newton died, slavery and the slave trade was abolished. Isn't that amazing? Because of John Newton, the famous hymn writer, the, the slave trader, slavery eventually was abolished. In his final days of life, Newton said with great resolve this, although my memory's fading, I remember two things. I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. Powerful words by a man who God saved by his amazing grace. Then he used his life to change things. Ephesians 2 verse 7 says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace. And his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith. 
and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Have you experienced God's amazing grace? If God can save a Hamas member, if God can save a slave trader, if God can save Jim Scudder, God can save you. And you also need to be saved. Salvation is a gift. It's free. It's, it's God's grace. How do we receive it? Well, God already did the hard part. So Jesus came. He was sinless. Let my right hand represent Jesus. This wallet represents sin. Jesus, we were sinners. My left hand is us. We have sin. We have sin. The sin separates us from God. But he loves us. And he, through his grace, gave his son to die on the cross to become sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now look what happens. When Jesus paid our sin debt and he offers us eternal life, all you have to do is put your faith in him. It's not by works, not by what you do, but he, he's not forcing this grace upon you. If he forced it on you, then that's not grace, is it? It's when he offers it to you and you, by your free will that God gave you when he created you, you put your faith in him. You believe in him. The Bible says that you're saved. This is the greatest news. It's amazing. It's grace. Have you believed that Jesus died and rose again for your sin? Have you thought, like, I have to be better. I have to be religious. I have to be baptized. I have to be, you know, whatever. No, the Bible doesn't say any of that. It says that it's by grace you're saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. What do you have to do to receive a gift? You just take it. Have you received the gift? called eternal life? If you do, you'll be saved at this very moment forever.